introduce Fauna and my podcast. We're the Interdisciplinary History Podcast. We are a couple of students at McEwen University, and we talk about history and the way it intersects with other disciplines. Okay. Example, please. One of our examples previously on our on our show was we had an episode about how the history of horror movies has been intersected with... Yeah, so we're interdisciplinary history so basically how do we connect to our understanding of the past through pop culture or through things that aren't just your history textbook is kind of our jam so we looked at like the classic universal pictures monster movies oh hey we Um, talked about them too yeah your guys's episode was awesome by the way it was so cool that ours came out at the same time as that (laughs) yeah um (laughs) But we looked at them in the context of the decades they came out, and we talked about how there's this social concern with very visual, physical monsters contemporaneous to, like, the early eugenics movements, and, like, how do we consume that media when we take that context into effect Hmm. or into account? Yeah. So what I'm hearing is you're just a bunch of smarty farties. You're basically talking through an essay? How is that not cool? Yeah, and like, we want to talk about like, Inglorious Bastards and Jojo Rabbit tonight, which Red said that was cool, so I assume one of you guys are interested in that. So, so I convinced, or well, I suggested to them all, and everybody on this show right now has watched both movies. Awesome. Oh, we're gonna have a good chat, I think. I have some thoughts. And they are (laughs) saucy. Okay, I am interested in hearing Someone has heard my rants. My boyfriend has heard my rants. Yeah. I'm curious, I guess, like, everybody on the channel, you've seen both movies. Like, not to make a lofty question, but how did they, how do you feel about them as a depiction of, like, World War II? You feel like they're neat, or do you feel like they're a bit strange? If I can start, I definitely think that it's an interesting approach, obviously. I mean, most World War II media deliberately focuses on the allies because you know you get to paint this whole heroic journey this whole big lofty and we won kind of story but stories that don't that focus on people who are nazis i think is just as if not more valuable than the war propaganda because it's really easy to forget that the people who lived there were people living there and doing things And if you make the other side in a war actual literal monsters, okay, it's easy to kill them at the time, but it's also very hard to recognize them if they ever turn up again. Whereas everyone in these movies is a person, even if a lot of them are shitty people. Yeah, yeah. What you said about monsters, I think, is really relevant to, like, Jojo Rabbit, too. Because in interviews, one of the things that Taika Waititi said is he pointed out that, like, a lot of people on the far right or a lot of white supremacists do really like movies like Inglorious Bastards or American History X because even though they're portrayed as villains, they're portrayed as very powerful and liking that image. So to do a satire like Jojo Rabbit takes away some of that power. Yeah, and one of the things I took some notes and one of the things I think I thought about with the characters actually between Jojo Rabbit and Inglorious Bastards is Take a YTT treats the characters in his film as people. Hmm. Inglorious Bastards arguably does not. And why I say this is there's no depth. And specifically with the characters of Shoshana and the Bastards. Yeah. Right. Even though they're 
the film is named after them and they have an important role. We don't really get to see them. We don't ha- know anything about them other than the fact that they want revenge. Yeah. And that's it. While with Jojo Rabbit, we know a lot about a lot of the characters based on their characterization and such. Elsa, for example, the character of Elsa, she has a lot of pain and anger and that gets to be explored while Shoshana, who was one of the characters I looked at the most in, while watching Inglorious Bastards, she didn't have that kind of development. Yeah, I know. Inglorious Bastards is very much a vengeance quest, if not nothing more than that. As where Jojo Rabbit kind of like broke down the, the the Nazi mental like view on everything else and like taking the piss on that, right? Like was very much like, like explaining Nazism and then destroying it at the same time. I'm gonna jump in for a hot second if people don't mind. This is not the first like set of movies that has taken a wildly different approach to the depiction of Hitler and even the death of Hitler. You have some mm. of Mel Brooks's depiction of Hitler with springtime in hitler and depicting him as sort of a yes. uh let's call it what it is a fancy boy not only featuring him in a musical and featuring the nazis as uh parading around showgirls but on the flip side of that you have your war movies of the time where they are no we're gonna win because we're the allies so this is just more of a yeah. modern take on that yeah i think that's very fair to say too i love mel brooks's satire and he does it so well and i i haven't seen satire like his in a long time and then yeah. jojo rabbit just stuck out to me as one of the best examples of modern satire. I introduced Sloan specifically to uh, Young Frankenstein, and he does a great satire of the Universal Monster movies in that. And what I think is interesting is that with these satirical films, they actually give depths to the character that you don't really get to see in these action films. For example, Shoshana, when she leaves at the very beginning in chapter one, when the Nazis have invaded France that way, and she is hiding from them, we don't really get to see what her life is like up until we meet her later in a different chapter. It gives her very little to work with as a character to derive from and pull from and maybe even sympathize for. Whereas in Jojo Rabbit, the girl that we meet there is very much a, oh no, she has witnessed the horrors of this war and she is done with the whole thing. Like even the watching a 10 year old boy in front of her, I want to believe that not only does it strike her as odd for the first little bit for the first couple minutes of their interaction but it's a oh this is how far this actually goes like now you see the tree for all the roots again like with inglorious yeah. bastards again it's it's a vengeance quest right so shoshana's setup is the you know the entire posse gets murdered by the nazis and she gets she escapes right oh from there on you were you should already know that she's going to be on a quest of revenge i mean the build up for that character is not really just, again glorious bastards is just it's not really much more than just a vengeance quest you're not going to get much more out of it like development there for sure is going to be pretty much stalled yeah and i think one of the issues that kind of arises from that is it's sort of this is a period in history where you've got a group of people who are being systematically disenfranchised and systematically excluded and then you're failing to humanize them in your storytelling yeah there was a review by daniel mendelson he says in inglorious bastards tarantino indulges his face for vengeful violence by while turning jews into nazis unquote and basically when i watched it i had a real issue with the fact that they're i thought it's great that they're giving a chance for people to get revenge but they are not giving them development in that process of revenge why the revenge with any personal stakes for them other than yeah. just it being the, the you know the great war right like what motivates the glorious bastards just go about you know because they kind of they, they you know their quest well missions were kind of backhanded there weren't really like official missions going down they were they were just doing their own kind of thing so i mean like 
what you know how do they get started why did they start this group how do they band together like there's no real backstory to any of them like, right like as you said and you know again like the development is pretty much stalled nothing there and basically they give more screen time to hans landa yes. over over the jewish characters who are tarantino said he wanted to see given more power but to be given that power you have to be given that screen time and that time for development and you're not really seeing that in this film whereas with jojo rabbit you're getting that time from the beginning all the characters have a personality and there is this sense of empathy in the characters tarantino doesn't seem to have that which is very on brand I for thought, tarantino yeah just, yeah <laughs> violence is his thing in an extreme way there's one character i do not remember his name but uh in inglorious bastards that it is a lead actor in django unchained not jimmy fox but the other yeah you're talking about yourself not samuel jackson because he is in both that's not who i mean but michael fassbender thank you oh okay yeah yeah, him playing uh, both characters, and you can see, because Inglorious Bastards, I believe, came out first, if memory serves mm. me correctly, and you can see how, like, just watching that actor portray that character in that specific way, when you flip it on its, not even, just slide it over to the next slot when you're doing Django Unchained, he's a perfect fit that way, and just makes him an absolutely evil son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, he's so evil in, in Django, and Michael Fassbender, in, in general, he's very good at playing despicable characters. <laughs> yes, he is. One of the things Victoria said when we started, because um, obviously we rewatched both films recently, is it had been a while since both of us had seen Inglorious Bastards, and we didn't remember it being as problematic as it was when we actually went to watch it. Because it seemed like it should be great. It's a Tarantino film about beating the Nazis. Hmm. Like, that should be good. But it fails on a lot of the elements that, we ju that you just kind of need for storytelling and humanizing. And that's what beating the Nazis should actually represent is humanizing a group that's being dehumanized on the opposite yeah. side of the coin there is a certain people of number like a certain people in this group that really doesn't need the humanizing they were monsters from start to finish and they need to be remembered that way this is also absolutely true. yes yeah yeah and i think like with what victoria says like the amount of screen time that's given to christopher Waltz. Yeah, whoever yeah. plays Hansel, he is given so much character development but it's almost like by the end of the movie he's won in a way like yeah he gets his face fucked up but it, it's almost like he's portrayed as smart and clever and kind of has these positive attributes in that he sort of wins in the end and that's really problematic it almost speaks on the actual fact because after the war ended a lot of germans yes. actually shipped over to the states and you know yeah yeah played off as americans and got away with it so i mean yeah you yeah. know i could see, i could see that being a thing for this yeah in fact that is uh continued in the amazon show called hunters yes yes yeah and that's a fantastic show that i'm sure if these lovely ladies would like to return for maybe an episode on that someday Absolutely. oh we would like that i can't really do gore movies but i like i don't mind watching people explode by a bomb i don't i can't explain it either i guess it's just a slow torture i can't take that's weird <laughs> i think it really matters if the gore serves a purpose in the film mm. or whether it's just <laughs> there to make you uncomfortable to look at yeah, if there's a point, I can put up with a lot. If you're just trying to gross me out, I will easily be grossed out by removing someone's trachea through their ass. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm with you well. on that. Exactly. I'm with you on that. You Jeez, have you seen Lovecraft Country? Because No, that's my next one, actually. 
I haven't. That, no. Yeah, on that stuff like that. Stuff like that will happen in Lovecraft Country. Just letting you know. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll have to watch it then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for me, like yeah. I, I just because I was told to watch Jojo Rabbit, so I was just like, okay, I you know. I've heard of it, never yeah. really watched it. So I did give it a sit down. I think it was Thursday I watched it. It's amazing to see, you know, the brainwashing, right? To see this little boy really believe movement's a real good thing and, you know, spew that hate. And then like, you know, not anymore. Like he kind of grew. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, like again, like you said, like the human piece of it was, was cared between the two, you know, the Elsa and Odo, right? Yeah. Like they was pretty much cared between the two. And like, spoiler alert for anybody listening who hasn't seen the film, but like, Shocker, you know, like when when they, you know, uh, the Nazi soldiers approached their house and they're investigating and, and you know, also came out as as Jojo's, you know, deceased sister. And then later on, literally, he's walking through town and, he, you know, you find his mom, you know, hung. Like that came out of like, for me, that was shocking. Like it shocked me out of nowhere because it's like, I wasn't really expecting that to happen right then and there. And just the scenery was spoken a whole lot. Like you just saw her feet and you already knew because they focus a whole lot on her yeah. shoes. They do, yeah. And it's so then, it's almost that moment is a, almost the most real moment of violence too cuz like it is a violent movie but it's very cartoonish in its violence like mm -hmm. when the kid is like almost blown up at the beginning of the movie and like yeah. kind of the melee bedlam fight scene at the end those are so hyper violent but they're so cartoonized yeah. that that hanging scene is kind of the most real yeah. violent event even though it happens off screen and you're just yeah. left with the aftermath like i was completely sitting there like like jaw dropped like in shock like wow they yeah. just took this guy's the only person he had left in his world and she's gone and that's crazy well, man. especially too with like what is it would be his best friend Yorky. yeah Yorky. like that kid like the fourth wall broke it and it's like yeah, I, I just can't die and it was like it literally hit me too and i was like this Kid really can't like because Yo, he's the best. The dude, this kid, I don't know how they like how like they wrote him, but it was so well done. And just like the factor of like you know like the little things that were happening, of course, with every other like character that was either dying or like you know saving JoJo himself. But yeah. he's the one who's like the immortal per se character, and they're like the very, huh? the, very the very end where Rebel Wilson hands him a Glock and tells him to go fight, <laughs> and then they explode. And the next scene, this guy's sitting in a hole covering his ears. I'm like, how did this guy escape that? <laughs> like that's what I was. I was like, I thought you died. Well, yeah. mad love to Yorkie. Yorkie was the best. Yorkie so good. <laughs> Still on that hanging scene, just because I have something else to say about it. It's just, it kind of relates to how we were talking about gore earlier. They don't show us more than is necessary, but they also show us very firmly how JoJo's seeing it. The shoes are at eye level. The shoes were a personal connection to his mom. They were a big part of how he saw her. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we're seeing... Her death, not just as a, oh, and she was hung or hanged for being a sympathizer, but this is how Jojo perceives his dead mother. Yeah. yeah. Something that I think was interesting that the director said about this film is when he made the choice to only show the shoes, he said that it's a really, and he used the word intimate, the intimate moment of the child and the mother's body and he mm. said that the audience doesn't get to be privy to that like him seeing all of her so he sh just showed the shoes right. as enough to tell the audience what happened without interrupting that moment yeah it was yeah, really it, powerful man like it, it it got me really good and it was yeah. it was an interesting aspect too of like because i had seen it first but like i missed just like around that section the first time but when you see the, the hint towards it of like as the movie progresses so like from I guess the first initial people that were hanged per se, and you just see the feet. 
but as she brings he brings Jojo back to look and is like and like you know he's questioning why this happened and she's like you know they did what they could and you see the story progress of what she was doing mm-hmm. she, it was like it already hinted to like okay she's doing the best she can with the other kid that's in the house but because of that result she did the best she could and she got you know of course killed for that this is what we call foreshadowing yeah it's also interesting that they bring back the sh- the shoe motif towards the end when he and elsa are just about to go out into free germany and he ties her shoes i think it shows immaturity and growing up mm. because before he doesn't know how to tie his shoes and when he sees his mother that's his moment of maturity yeah and then afterwards he can tie his shoes and that that moment i was like that stuck out to me the most but also i work in it at at a shoe shop and it's pretty normal for 10 year olds not to know how to tie their shoes Mm -hmm. just saying so i i thought wow that's a moment of maturity he grew progression that's right yeah also just second carrying of that symbolism of intimacy you know if it was intimate with his mom if it was if it was joy with his mom and then grief with her later now it's some sort of familial bond again we were talking earlier about propaganda and how it's kind of portrayed. And I think oh both boy. of these films... So both of these films show very real depictions of propaganda. But what I will say is Tarantino shows a very like vile propaganda being taken very seriously. And then the brainwashing that's kind of shown in Jojo Rabbit, I think really does a good job of reminding the audience how ridiculous the beliefs Mm. like seeing propaganda repeated through the eyes of a 10 year old and it all be taken so literally i think really reminds the audience that these are ridiculous ideas and that it's childish to think in such black and white terms and i think it also shows just how terrifying like and how easy it is to be controlled by propaganda when i went went to berlin there was a there's a museum there and I highly recommend anyone who is a fan of history and is interested in this sort of moment to go there is called the um the Totality of Terror Museum. Okay. And it's built right actually over top of the old, former SS headquarters, which is yes. scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's right over top of the torture chambers. You can look into it. People yeah, it's it's terrifying, but it shows the progression of how propaganda was used to brainwash an entire generation of people into believing awful, awful ideals. And yeah. it's insane. And I highly recommend that people go there. It is... I when the world important. clears up from the Backstreet Boy concert, of course. That's an interesting point about the way you phrase that, uh, brainwashed a generation. Because a lot of the mechanisms for the dissemination of nazi propaganda was mostly just an education system that was semi-functional and a really fucked up curriculum and yeah sure it became mandatory to be in the worst version of the boy scouts you've ever heard of but the mechanisms for this indoctrination aren't anything you know terrifying and out of left field like have you ever been to a boy scouts summer jamboree where you get all the like troops together or whatever it looks a hell of a lot like the uh, that weird camp with in Jojo Rabbit because that's really what it yeah. was. So it it's not surprising that it's familiar because around the time that Hitler Youth 
emerges at the same time as the Boy Scouts movement. And then there was also the uh, Soviet, they usually get translated as pilgrims, but it's the same thing. Like there's this movement for industrialization has happened. We should teach boys how to be boys in the forest again. Like it's this, it comes at the same time as there's concerns about health. World War One has ended. So there's concerns about how do we make Feed ourselves the men in our cities. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting. But the scouting movement in the U.S. and Great Britain, the U.S. is being a off track of Great Britain. It all emerges around the same time, and it's emerging contemporaneously to the rise in public education and the rise of the welfare state, interestingly enough. Yeah, it's some greater power taking interest in the lives of your kids. That's technically a welfare state thing, even if it's yeah. definitely not we associate with it these days no that would also inevitably lead to the american south indoctrinating its children for the wrong version of history that actually happened down there when it came to the oh. the, the yeah. civil yeah. war well, that. <laughs> yeah. that's, However, that's how it, that's how far i wanted to take that thought yeah so i'm i'm only gonna take it one step further and tell mm. you that like the nazis studied the american south and their models of segregation, that is a part of the legal history that leads to the development of the Nuremberg Laws. Like, you can go back through the records and see what would become Nazi Germany looking at the American South as a model to build off of. That's a whole yikes, if you want to put it in the terms of this industry. Yeah, (laughs) those guys were efficient with cruelty, man. It's not not a joke. There was a talk done at at, uh, McEwen where they talked about how concentration camps held by the the British during the Boer War they, they invented the concentration camp, yeah. Yeah, yep. the concentration camps in Germany. You look at it, a lot of the cruelest Nazi policies were things they pulled from other places. I mean, oh, yeah. the South's yeah. segregation, concentration camps from the Boer War, and of course, can't forget Alberta's eugenics programs. Yeah. <laughs> no, you cannot. Ooh. They didn't no, just pull this stuff out of nowhere. They looked so at other people with similar beliefs and just put it all together. So remember how yeah. I said the south to the nazis was the huge yikes yeah i'm gonna roll that back and say that's a small yikes this is a big yikes if any of the listeners and like maybe this is where we get you know too hoity-toity academic aiden fourth would be a really good person to read if you're interested in the boer war he's got kind of the seminal book out right now i don't remember the title of it but nice you see now yeah. this this yeah. raise a question right because now we're going back to tarantino work okay and then we yeah can, we can compare a lot of this stuff to what was going on you know 500 years prior down south america right and this is where we get Django unchained and again Django's very much just a vengeance quest right like in that with the bomb we, soundtrack right yeah but do we get any little growth out of that film as well or do we just get a vengeance quest, right? Well, it's more. It was a vengeance and a rescue quest at the same time, right? Yeah, it's like and he's one part yeah. love story. Exactly, because yeah. like he's yeah. essentially going back. He's yeah, going for vengeance of what's been happening or what was done to him. But he's also, as Red mentioned, it is part of a love story and a rescue quest of like looking for the one that you know he's mostly connected with as well. My, my question is growth. However, other than learning how to shoot men down, was there really I mean, much else to it? I, I think mean, it's shoot. important. Look, we've got a lot of white people vengeance quests over stupid shit right mm-hmm. i think it's important that not only do we get you know people of color and vengeance quest stories because every time you add some sort of diversity you get to tell a story again because it becomes right. worthwhile again but also the fact that he's acting against the entirety of the country he lives in while doing so 
-hmm. Like, yeah, it's personal. It's deeply, deeply personal because this is his suffering. This is his love. This is his passion. But it's really easy to look at the history of the American South and reduce the people who suffered under slavery to props in the narrative, you know? They lived, they worked, they died. It was shitty. This is a person who refused to take part in that narrative. And that's I like that you're bringing up like what do we get out of this because that's sort of what Vic and I are interested in is you know this is historical fiction Hmm. what does it represent to the audience and I think yeah go ahead sorry I think the problem with a lot of Tarantino's films is he likes to do a counter historical narrative but it's almost like he as a director feels like he's doing some virtue by saving somebody who doesn't get saved in real life. Right. I'm saying that for Inglorious Bastards, like killing Hitler in a way that Hitler didn't die. But also Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is him taking, you know, the murder of an actress and turning it into, well, I could invent characters who would save her instead. Okay. Yeah. That's right. My yeah. thing is like, because you're getting like, if you sit down and watch like, you know, Twelve Years a Slave, mm-hmm. like, you're getting like, you know, like a historical, journal, like you know what I mean. Like you're getting something out of that. There's there's a whole story there. And again, you know what I mean. Like so, is Tarantino's just stuff? Like, is is it just all gonna be? You know, only is it just only badges that he really knows, and there's no real development to anything else? Because I mean, as on a personal note, I really do like Django Unchained because I'm getting a black lead. But at the same time, yeah. what's what's the movie really doing for me other than just letting me shoot white guys <laughs> through you know through through a fantasy <laughs> Right, it's, it's not really much else there to it. I'll just be yeah. glad that um, Quentin Tarantino's foot fetish didn't feature prominently in that film. Um, <laughs> oh. So yeah, his foot and his foot fetish—that's usually what Tarantino does. All right. Anyway, Nazis. Yeah. Propaganda. So, yeah. The interpretation. Listen, hard segue, and I'm sorry now. <laughs> okay. The interpretation of like actual Hitler's death in both movies is bonkers. Well, Watching Takiti Watiti. Sorry, I mispronounced his name. Taika Waititi. Correct. There's lots of consonants. I'm sorry. Taika Waititi's walking into that young man's bedroom with the hole in his head from where he shot himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I, mean, I saw that, it was... Yeah, I mean, it's too bad I didn't see him actually do it. But, you but you know, you get the news of him doing it regardless. And then to imagine him, you know, come in his room and then get a karate kick from a little child out the window. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. yeah. And remembering that it takes place in the child's imagination, I don't think it's strange that the child has heard it's already happened, so he's imagining the Mm -hmm. aftermath rather than the event. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. And then we cross the street to Inglorious Bastards, and we just watch Adolf Hitler get absolutely peppered with bullets. Swiss cheese, man. Yo. (laughs) He is just turned into a sack of flesh. (laughs) <laughs> Unrecognizable flesh. My guy Just got flesh. <laughs> my, my dude got the cheese grater. That's what he got. The dude's fit only for the sausage press. <laughs> Crank it. But no, the difference there, even just in the number of shots, um, in my opinion, is really important because in Jojo Rabbit, it's functionally just quick and over. You know, it's he's dead now. That's that. Where in Glorious Bastards much like most of the film, that's a power fantasy. Yeah. That's yeah. what yeah. Tarantino wanted us to see. It was him ripped apart the way a lot of people wanted to do, which, yeah. you know, totally fair. I, they, sh- they shot this guy like he was, like they missed a spot. Like they were not going to let up. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, 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 agree. I agree that Tarantino really wants you to see that. But I would also argue that Taika Waititi really wants you to see a, the younger generation of Germany 
kicking Hitler to the side. Yeah, oh, for sure, <laughs> quite literally. Like, like that I young think... man sent sent Hitler down the pit of Sparta. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I think it's more important to show a younger German rejecting Hitler than it is to just show the Allies Swiss cheesing Hitler. Yeah, because but... he's t- kicking away his bigotry. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, literally. Yeah. With the old and with the new. Watch off. <laughs> this is Sparta. Like. But no, it's like the more you guys have talked today, the more I kind of get that feeling that Inglorious Bastards is enjoyable, but it's it's a popcorn movie, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. You watch, you watch, you're done. Yeah. And the more you think about it, the hollower it feels. Right. Where yeah. You don't yeah. even so have to look at that far. What's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we're all adults and we all get that it's a movie, it's not real life, I think that an audience gets more and gets a better kind of pop culture understanding of World War II from something like Jojo Rabbit than the audience does from something like Inglorious Bastards. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I would agree yeah. wholeheartedly. There's yeah. two sets of viewers, right? You have ones who want depth and you have ones who just want filler. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those those will gravitate to Inglorious Bastards for filler because you know it does what it does for yeah. them, right? Dudes, guns, things blow up, vengeance, blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, Everybody, exactly, right? exactly. And you can have all of those elements without taking something as important to understand as World War II is. Mm-hmm. And that I think yeah. is my biggest problem: is it's just an action movie. You didn't have to make it about World War II. Yeah. Whereas Jojo well, Rabbit is about propaganda and is about world war ii World War II. that's exactly, exactly. It. And, it, yeah. and especially with the factor too of like seeing it from i guess the other side of you know the germans themselves but you see it from a kid's perspective mm. as well let alone it being obviously comedic factor because of how the director approaches it but like you see it from the other side of the like the playing field it's like oh this is how they were in sense indoctrinated or in sense like brainwashed and this is how they kind of were going through it at that time but then you see the change of jojo himself like as we said before he's maturing from that and then he's understanding oh not everything is actually like this this world is actually more different than i I should be expecting it to be or how it was taught yeah, there's a lot more to people than you think. Exactly. Yeah. There's not one structured I, way. Thanks, ladies. I used to like this movie. <laughs> you can still enjoy it. You're welcome. No. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. I'm glad to ruin a movie anytime. <laughs> no, it's one of those films I, I've always had that same feeling with. Like I've, it's, it's always been enjoyable to watch for what it is, right? Like, I'm just there to yeah. watch situations go down. I do like both, you know, both kind of sets of movies, right? I don't mind the mindless the mindless filler because it's just there to do its job. And I do, I do enjoy a good you know a good story that's got something way deeper you know grained in it because that's what it's and that's what it's for so in both respects both movies are good for what they do when it comes out to being better i mean you know jojo rabbit actually had a message in it so i mean and listen for ex- extra points for putting scarlett johansson in a role she actually does well in well cast was fantastic in that whole movie sam rockwell uh, was great he was, he was awesome he was great i can't remember his name uh but he was theon game of thrones and he was great too for his little role that he had. He had yeah. this wonderful, like I've seen it described. He has a face that just screams, "I need my father to solve my problems for me." Yeah. Oh um, my god! And that carries so on. Wide, yeah, he's so wide-eyed. The fact that they kind of got those fish eyes that stick out at you. Yeah. The fact that they great person, but he scares me. Like perpetual when he looks. Perpetual worry on his face all the time. <laughs> Thomasina Mackenzie as Elsa. I think she she is awesome she's she was fantastic the whole way through if i searched her up right now i probably would go through her filmography i just want to see her do more things 
Same. It's fantastic, man. I think she's going to do really good stuff. I do know she was in The King with Timothy Chalamet. Oh, that one. I watched that one just as I was doing a medieval history course. Let me tell you what excellent uh, side material that was. Just, <laughs> oh. What was little JoJo's name? What was, who's the actor? Little guy. Let me just see. Uh, Roman uh, Griffin Davis. That little kid's fantastic too. So let's get more of him as well. Oh, he's great. I I thought all the child actors in this yeah. movie were really good. Like I didn't see anyone that I was like, oh, th- these are glaringly bad. Yeah. Children actors like Ch- these the were- children are very believable. I I'll, I'll still stand it by it, but uh, Yorkie for a one actor. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> Yo Yorkie for Oscar. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> for real. I Yorkie for Oscar. Yorkie was the best. Man. <laughs> man, he's no like the funny thing too. Like just a quick side note, but like of what is it? I think uh, the best friend scenario when they were like in the camp area, right? And then um, Jojo was just like, "Yeah, you're like the second best friend. Yeah, unless you're like you know a, an adult man in a, a fat kid's bo- body, then it's fine to be second place." And it's like, "No, I guess I just I'm a kid on a fat kid's body." And I was like, "Good God, like yeah. this kid." <laughs> Like, don't hurt yourself this much, with Jesus. Uh, the uh, dialogue between the kids, it actually sounds like children talking and not like adults speaking for children. If you know what uh, I mean? like Yeah, it was, it right, was beautiful. No, like, it was executed exactly. accurately. You can tell that like Taika talked to these children, got a like sense of how exactly they speak. Yeah, and you, then you yeah. hear the old man behind the words. Yeah. He's also a parent with kids this age, though, so it's not shocking that he was a bit better at capturing that. Mm. Right. Blessed Taika, you have a very imaginable mind, and keep using it, man, because it's, it's, there's fun stuff coming out of you. So Listen, oh, I, I will yeah. not be the last one to say it, and I definitely am not the first one, but uh, Taika for Star Wars, dude. Yeah, I swear he already, he already signed on to do something now. I think before he kind he's, of died, um, and he's kind of like in it now. Well, he's written a couple episodes of The Mandalorian. Yeah. And he voiced in one of them because that's a thing he does. He likes being CGI characters. Yeah. <laughs> and or and, now have my interest. Okay. So to jump into these two movies on how they portray their female characters is awesome and also very problematic. Go so on. on on the one hand, you've got Jojo Rabbit, where you've got Scarlett Johansson's character, and you've got Rebel Wilson's character, like being human, and Rebel Wilson just eating up the scenery no matter what scene she's in. as she is known to do coming from pitch perfect fame and across the street you've got our spy characters our um the shoshana you've got uh very stern very characterized interpretations one of my major uh, things i discussed with sloan was how much i wish we had more of shoshana correct because she was one of my favorite characters in the entire film she's almost the only character in the entire film she is just shy of a sexy lamp, though, let's be real. Yeah, yeah she I is agree. She's furniture. Like, she's a plot device more than she is a person. She is. Unfucking fortunately. Yeah. She's a sexy yeah. army knife, if you will. Like, Ooh, she has yeah. a function, but. So she's more than a lamp, but, like, you could definitely replace her with damn near anything. See, I, I thought that out of all the characters, Shoshana could have been the most compelling. Yeah, she, they just wrote her off. But they did nothing with her. Yeah, they just wrote her off as cold, and that's it. Yeah, and I really, like, from the beginning, I was like, I would really love to see her end up killing Hans Landa. It would have been better. That would be the ultimate revenge. Yeah, it would have been better if, if, we, if we had Shoshana on a whole revenge quest, right? It but really you see, would've. But you see, that would be character development. I, yeah, yeah and, and Tarantino doesn't have that, no. <laughs> I don't know. Well, so there's a degree to which that 
When Shoshana lights the theater on fire, it's kind of like Indiana Jones's presence in the entire first Indiana Jones movie. Like, even if Shoshana hadn't lit the fire, Brad Pitt and his buds still would have shown up. They still would have shot everybody. So all she really does is make the shooting scene more exciting and more cinematic. Hmm. But because the bastards show up, she's not even, like... I don't want to say she's robbed of her revenge, but in a way she kind of is. Like, she becomes inconsequential to the end of the movie, to the deaths. Her plan didn't really matter. Hmm. Like, for me, like, my head, head headcanon-wise, this movie would have been a lot better if... Hear me out. I don't know if any of you have witnessed Samurai Champloo, but, like, you know, you have someone in search of someone, and you come across these, you know, these two dudes who who seem to be really good at using swords, so you kind of hire them to do the work with you, right? Here it is. Shoshana should have been able to bump into the Inglorious Bastards, have a common goal, go about their business, right? Instead, we get something completely different. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah. I mean, it would have been a little bit more cool. Like, I don't know. Again, we like fluidity around here. So for me, a movie like that just kind of seems like it was almost written to be that way. And for some reason, this looks like there's like two ideas in one movie and just it didn't work out. Right. And if uh, to play off of that little bit of fluidity, the way the camera angles and the actual cinematography of Inglorious Bastards is fluid. Whereas Jojo Rabbit is, I think the word I want to use is like almost staccato. It's yeah. It's Ooh, very yeah. Yeah, it's very differently paced, very surreal in some ways. Right. It's jump cut, jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. Yeah. Like five or six right in one go, and then we get a a long shot. Whereas in Glorious Bastards, like you can, you know, it's a your sta- almost your standard filmmaking where it's some long shots, some mid shots, some just headshots, like. And you know it's expected that way, whereas Jojo Rabbit decides to throw it out of the freaking window, along with Hitler himself. Like Karate kick standard filmmaking practices. That little kid kicked the shit out of him, man. The thing is, it, it was great. really, really well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the opening sequence alone, just when they've got the uh, Beatles song going on in German over top and you get the cut yeah. 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 the archival footage and Jojo going to camp, it's really well done. It just shows how absolutely bonkers the story is already it sets it up really well i i like that scene for the pacing that they used well here it is you can see clearly two different visions from two different filmmakers (laughs) you know you have have one who has one idea of how it should look and one has an idea of how it should be taika's just a very artistic guy who knows what he's doing he knows how to like he knows how to humanize even pieces of shit like sam rockwell's like sam rockwell's german officer like clearly could have ratted out the children at that point where he you know he asked for the birthday and everything yeah he you know he let the children live and took it out on the mom right so i mean like he had a bit of heart to him too even though he's a you know nazi piece of shit that's Mm -hmm. a concern for the child you know so i think his character also kind of embodies the like fear-based complacency that i think we do have to remember was very emblematic is you know even though 90 percent of germans were party members it wasn't necessarily that they ascribed to the belief system it was just dangerous to not outwardly say you ascribe yeah. to the belief system yeah and i think his actions ultimately at the end kind of place him in that camp yeah it's a Nazi Germany is a very dangerous place where you have to drink the Kool-Aid or else, right? Nice. Beastie, if you can please. Beastie, if you please. Jeez. <laughs> that, that was not his thing. You know what? That's okay. <laughs> but nonetheless. Work in progress. <laughs> nonetheless. That brings us to our historic adventure into this discussion. 
But you can also find us on our socials, which is our Twitter is at Crusade Nerd, our Instagram is at Nerd Crusade, and we upload every Wednesday to YouTube, and you can download any previous episodes or listen on your mobile device to the Anchor.fm website or wherever podcasts are found by searching Nerd Crusade. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this video, go ahead and button mash a thumbs up. If you want to swing by when we have a new video, web up the sub button. Oh, and while you're at it, hit the bell to be notified by... Oh,